I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. We acknowledge the traditional owners of country throughout Australia and recognize their continuing connection to land, waters and culture. We pay our respects to their elders past, present and emerging. Welcome to This Song Is Yours, a music podcast where we chat to a new guest each week, talk about their life and creative endeavours, and talk to them about some of the music they love. Our show works by chatting to our guests about music, but also getting them to make you a playlist of the songs they love. You can find the link to our playlist in the show notes. Welcome to episode 106. I'm your host, Simon Fink. Our guest today is Motor Race. The Melbourne rock band is celebrating the 20th anniversary of their debut record, Five Star Laundry. In today's episode, we're speaking with frontman Patrick about his memories over the last 20 years, mastering the record at Abbey Road, and how the secret life of us played into their lives. Here we go. Our guest today is the frontman for a beloved four-piece rock band from Melbourne, Australia. Having released three studio records, today we're celebrating the 20th anniversary of their debut record, Five Star Laundry. Please welcome to This Song Is Yours, Patrick Robertson from Motor Race. Hello, sir. How are we? Oh, very well. It's a lovely afternoon here in Melbourne. Good to be here. <laughs> we're very excited to, uh, to have you here today, Pat. It is, um, it is an exciting day. It's the 20th anniversary of Five Star Laundry. Yeah, it's it's well. I feel very old, obviously, um, but um, look, I'm glad I'm still here and the heart's still beating, <laughs> and <laughs> uh, we can ref- we can reflect. I feel very lucky that we can, yeah, in a position to reflect on on this. So, yeah, of course, it is um, a very special record. I feel like there's a, a handful of Australian records from the the start of the millennium and I feel like Five Star Laundry kind of does sit in that category of um, classic Australian albums. Oh, it's, it's kind of you to say so. Um, yeah, it was, a, it was an interesting time back in, back in those um, early 2000s. Um, there was, yeah, it, it was kind of a weird time in music actually in, in some ways because um, it was still, yeah, I mean, I think dance music was still kind of hitting, hitting hard at that point and, and that I think... I remember all those news reports, um, turntables outselling guitars. So we weren't necessarily like, yeah, on, on the cutting edge at that time. But <laughs> but um, yeah, it was it was it was a good time. You know, it was still um, a little bit a little bit pre kind of pre download era. There was still you know people still buying compact discs as they were called back then. <laughs> so, so it was good, good time. Do you remember much of? Um, oh, I want to get into like the the recording and everything a little bit later. But do you remember much about the release around the record at the time? Um, I remember that it was, yeah, it was kind of on the back of sort of two or th- two or three, maybe two years of touring and 
it was sort of sitting on the shelf for a little while. We recorded it um, in 2000 and um, we were just kind of, we were just kind of waiting for it to get a bit more, um, a bit more play on, on Triple J and we were sort of waiting to get a bit, build a bit more of a fan base on, you know, just through kind of touring. So I, I remember doing sort of 12 months also pretty relentless touring around Australia and we were all pretty eager to kind of get it, get it out. But there was certainly a bit of a delay. Um, you know, I think the, the record companies as they tend to do, try to kind of maximize, you know, the audience before release. But, you know, yeah, I think we, we were just, you know, I think it was just a relief to have it finally out. You know, I think as, as a kid and as a teenager and all that, it's the dream is to, um, the whole point of being in a band really for, for me was just to have that have that record go into the studio for six months oh sorry six weeks um six to eight weeks and kind of do, and do a do a record and that was the dream so actually there's a little bit of apprehension oh, are, are the record company ever actually going to release this um and once it was actually out it was just that sense of you know rele- release and and relief and um yeah you know accomplishment i guess you can always once it's out in the shops once it's you know been printed it's like yeah i've done it that's it i can retire <laughs> yeah yeah i can i can understand that it um the the album was preceded by the self-titled ep and mm. like i know that obviously i think there was two i want to say two songs that made it from the ep to the mm. record but in terms of the album itself i heard that there was like some of those songs were five or six years kind of in the making in, the, in i guess in the build-up mm, yeah look to be honest i mean the whole the whole album um five side laundry pretty much was five years in the making i mean you know there's only probably one or two songs maybe only one song on that record itself that was probably five years old which was lorenzo um but yeah certainly in terms of like getting to that point you know, getting getting so starting out as a, as a songwriter, it kind of you know, I mean, the first probably, I'm just trying to think, I was probably 14, 14 or fifteen when I formed formed my first band, um, and probably didn't write a good song until, yeah, probably the Lorenzo is probably the first good song, which would have happened when I was sort of seventeen or something, um, and when I kind of realised that oh maybe I you know maybe this is something I could I could do or I could pursue and, and look into a bit further. Um, so, you know, in that, in that sense, yeah, you know, I think building up to your first album, um, you've got that kind of two year buffer before you've been, you know, you've been, you've got a record deal or whatever. And so you've got that time to kind of hone your craft, I guess, and condense all the good stuff and trim out all the crap. And yeah, so I think those, those first records always tend to be, you know, the best ones in, in my opinion. I mean, not, not always, I mean, there's always exceptions with bands, I guess some, some bands sort of develop over time, but I think in a lot of cases, um, a band's, well, I mean, not necessarily best work, but most kind of raw and to the point and, uh, and capturing that kind of youthful excitement. Yeah. I mean, it's usually that, that first record, which I think is the case for, for us and five star. Yeah. I would agree with that. I think that there's, um, there's a lot more time plus a lot more at stake with most bands first records. And so it is really like the, um, everything's on the line. So I, I can, yeah. 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 Well, yeah. I mean, you, yeah, you, you've got the, the, the time between your, your first and your second is, 
is literally nothing. I mean, you've got, um, you know, usually in most cases the, the, the band who's released a record is touring kind of for 18 months sort of minimum. Um, the record companies are, you know, okay, okay let's go, let's go, like yeah, next <laughs> one. And you kind of got, you know, if you're lucky, you've, you've written songs on the road. We never wrote songs on the road. That was not something that we ever did. Um, so it was the only time kind of I, I ever felt like writing was when I was back, back at home and kind of in the space. And so, yeah, you're lucky to even get it. You're, you're lucky to even get time to do it, to do a second record with any kind of quality. And, you know, I, I think, you know, our second record probably suffered a little bit from, from that kind of timeline and, and being sort of pushed to do it. Um, but most bands, most bands do kind of suffer from that, I guess. Um, but yeah, the first record definitely has that has that advantage over the others. I feel like that there's a lot of records uh, within the history of music that kind of have this reflection of their surroundings. Like you can kind of see the songs in the city or in the place wherever they they were kind of built or um, not necessarily recorded. But like, I feel that Five Star Laundry is quite a um, quite a true reflection of it's definitely like a Melbourne record, if that makes sense. Like it feels like it's a Melbourne record. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Interesting, <laughs> interesting perception. So I guess I'm, I'm sort of thinking through that. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I, I sort of remember at the time there were, there were definitely like, there was definitely, I, I'd actually look, I'm not really, I'm not kind of currently up with, with the music scene in Australia, I'm not 100% sure what's happening, but um, <laughs> at the time we were doing it, I remember there being quite a distinction between, like, you know, the WA bands, the you know, Victorian bands, you know, Sydney bands. They never kind of rated rated that well, in my opinion. Um, <laughs> and then the Brisbane bands, and it kind of it, there was something. I, I can't. I'm not sure. I don't think I can pinpoint what the, the difference in sound may have been. Um, but, but there was certainly, yeah, I'd, yeah. I have to ask you for your, your how you how you kind of measure that, you know, um, that sound. I'm I'm, I'm not sure. Um, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, you go. No, you go. <laughs> you go. I was I was going to say there's certain. Um, for some reason, I, I as before we started recording, I mentioned that uh, we're currently in Adelaide. I did spend mm. a few years in Melbourne and. Um, I think there's like the track Five Star Laundry and Lorenzo somewhat remind me of Parkville and maybe that's like certain memories of myself, but I feel like there is certain sounds in the the songs, even without having, if I hadn't have had that experience, would still kind of classify it as a Melbourne record. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we were, you know, I mean, I guess one of the advantages Melbourne always had was, you know, we had sort of, 10 to 15 kind of quality venues um, to play at. Um, you know, when you're a band of who are pulling sort of 50, you know, 50 people to a show or 100 people to a show, like, um, you know, Melbourne always had so many great venues to play. Um, so I don't know that, I don't know that translates into a sound. Um, but yeah, you know, it was, it was certainly a great place to be at that time. Um, probably, I don't know. Again, like I'm not really in touch, but um, you know, perhaps those venues are still still there. I think Melbourne is still a relatively good place to try and be a live musician. Um, but yeah, look, I mean, you know, I mean, we were kind of a rock band. 
you know, I mean, I think I don't know if Melbourne was. I guess maybe Melbourne was known known for for, for rock. I, look, I, I don't know. I don't have to think <laughs> about that. You've, you've, you've got me thinking now. Oh, that's yeah. that's fair. I'll please add some time and come come back to us. More than welcome <laughs> yeah. to always come back. <laughs> the one thing I didn't realize about the record at the time, I um, full disclosure uh, was a, a motor race fan at the time. You know, bought um, five star laundry. I think as the pre-order and got the, you know, the t-shirt with the cover art on it. You look far too young to be, for that to be a true story. Pat, that's very <laughs> kind. And you've just made my year doubly by, um, by being on the pod and then saying that. Um, yeah, yeah. But I, I feel like there's, and I know a few other friends of mine who have, have a history with this record. Um, I feel like we kind of knew it quite well, but then in researching for today, found out I think other little bits and pieces that I didn't know in terms of um, that the album was mixed at Abbey Road mm. or mastered uh, well, at Abbey Road. mastered, yeah, mastered, that's right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. no, we went over to mix it um, at the church studios, which is, oh, it's not too far from Abbey Road actually. It's, um, I think it's Crouch End or Crouch Hill, whatever it is in, in London. Um, and the church studios I think was at the time, was owned by um, Dave Stewart, who's Eurythmics. Um, it's this awesome, like, converted church um, building. Um, yeah, like it was. It was. It was a fantastic studio. Um, and Damo and I spent about two or three weeks there. Like that was the dream, really, for us to to be. You know, not not only kind of in London, but to, to mix a, mix our first record, but actually having um, Chris Sheldon who was sort of pretty much number one on our, on our list of mixes um, to do it. Um, and then it was kind of like, I mean, Abbey Road was just, we had to, oh, can you hear that? I don't know if you can hear that. <laughs> that was a good um, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, you know, having um, the opportunity just to go into Abbey Road to, to master it at least was was, was something. Um, would have loved to have kind of recorded it there, but, you know, tight Melbourne budget and whatnot. <laughs> involved but like to, to even go over there and do it was just yeah couldn't have been couldn't have um planned it any better really well, yeah I was, I was gonna ask because with as you mentioned before like the ambition of being in your early 20s and you know wanting to kind of really make a go of this I imagine that then finding yourself at one of the most or like as you said a few minutes away from one of the most famous studios in the world with um mm with Chris who I think at around the time had done like the colour and the shape mm. with two fighters and a few other like massive records. I imagine just that would have been, you're almost ticking off the bucket list too quickly. Oh well, yeah. 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 Well, but I mean, you kind of wanted to, you want to try and tick off the, as, as a, as a, you know, someone in the music industry, you want to try to tick all your boxes as quickly as you can <laughs> because it's pretty fleeting. You know what I mean? Like I think, yeah. I mean, if you're lucky, you get to make three records um, at least back in the day. I mean, look, it's it's a little bit different now um, because I think, you know, you can, you can produce music um, at home on your own kind of time and, and dime and it's a lot more achievable to kind of do that now. But back then it was like the only way to make a record was to get a record company behind you really um, and to fund it. So, yeah, at that time we were very much like this could be our, this could be our first and last and – you know, I think, yeah, to tick those boxes was, was a high priority. Um, and, and, and Chris Sheldon was, yeah, I mean, it couldn't have, that was, that he was pretty much my number one pick for that. 
um, for mixing the record. So to get that was unexpected, but yeah, kind of very exciting. Was Chris uh, across kind of Australian? Um... Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Oh, I guess it's not even Australian history. When uh, I was going to ask about the bagpipes in Death Defy, but the bagpipes yeah. aren't even quintessentially Australian, so I feel like... No, there's a couple see, of big, big hits, big, big Australian hits with bagpipes. No, sorry, go on, go on. No, 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 please. No, no, you go. What what are you going to ask? I was going to say, uh, when coming up or like composing, writing Death Defy, what was the idea Mm. behind having the bagpipes? And then, yeah, I guess how was that? um, When mastering a record and having the Mm. bagpipes with that, how was uh, Chris's approach to that as an outsider from Australia? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, Chris is a Chris is a rock guy, so I mean, very much a rock guy. So he was he was down with it because of you know, obviously you know ACDC, long way to the top and, and whatnot. It wasn't. I think he got got where we were coming from. I don't, I don't, I'm not sure he'd heard of John Farnham, You're the Voice, but um, but no, he was certainly he was certainly you know into it. Um, there was there was yeah, there was wasn't much. Um, I can imagine, yeah, bagpipes are pretty hard to mix, I would think. But yeah, so yeah, that was, yeah, that was a that was kind of a spirit. The, the bagpipes were a spur of the moment kind of call when we were in um, in Melbourne. It was just, you know, let, let's let's um, pay homage to uh, some of those classic Oz rock Oz rock hits, and hopefully some of that juju kind of, um, you know kind of um, rub off on us but you know i think um yeah obviously <laughs> death defy didn't quite reach the heights of of acdc and, and, and john farnham but but it kind of by the same token it did end up getting quite a lot of traction with you know um secret life of us and all that which was which was kind of unexpected because that was actually probably you know at, at least 12 months after um that single had kind of come and gone um yeah, Circuit Life Us had kind of picked it up, so it didn't, yeah, it kind of, that song had sort of, it was funny because a lot of people were like, oh, Death Fire's one of your hits. Well, it would probably never have been had it not been for the TV show, to be frank. So <laughs> um, we were lucky. We were lucky there. Do you remember the process or how they approached you guys in wanting to use the track for uh, for the theme? Yeah, I mean, as far as I remember, the the editor 
for the show. So the, 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 the editor who was cutting the opening sequence to the show, um, when it was sort of in that pilot stage had just put that track to the, you know, to the cut. Um, because I think he was friends with someone maybe who was into the band or something like that and, um, put it down. And I think the producers of the show were like, yeah, well, that kind of works. So let's just go with that. So it's again, like totally one of those absolute luck situations. Um, you know, we had no, yeah. And at the time when we told about it, you know, I mean, obviously it hadn't, the show hadn't, um, hadn't been a success or anything. So it was just like, Oh, okay. Well, yeah, sounds like, sounds like a cool idea. Let's do it. And ended up having, you know, quite a, quite a big, um, impact for the band. And I mean, I never probably wouldn't have, you know, ideally wanted to be, um, remembered as the TV show band, but you know, <laughs> it was still, it was still another layer. You got to sort of got to take what you can get. Um, I think to, to a large degree. Um, so we took it. I think the legacy of the band is still more than the, um, the theme song good, for that show. I that's, think that's just that's a, encouraging. That's encouraging yeah. to hear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, along with the anniversary today, we are getting a, a double vinyl coming out, um, with, I think it's, I think it's the same artwork, but just slightly, slightly different. Do you remember initially, um, I guess like the art direction or, or what the, the plan was with, uh, the cover for the photo and what made you decide on the two? Cause I think it is like a classic album cover. Yeah. Two lovers sitting on the re- cross. Oh, oh yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Well, actually I do remember the original concept, which, which was um, which was essentially to have have a couple of kids flicking through through records in a record shop, um, but then, of course, like most of my ideas, they're um, kind of taken from somewhere else initially without me knowing about it or consciously knowing about it. And that was yeah, I realised after the fact that that was I think it's DJ Shadow's first record. I think introducing. I think it is with it with someone in a record shop looking through records so didn't end up i think it, there is an inside sleeve with that on it um with 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 the kids in the record shop but ended up just shooting they ended up just shooting a whole bunch of stuff with those with those kids um sort of around melbourne and i think there's one in a laundry of course um and then just a, a couple of others and that one just that particular cover shot just was one of the random melbourne shots of um, you know, of the kids and, and it seemed like it just had a nice kind of, um, you know, nice kind of arrangement to it and, yeah, I just kind of picked it based on that and it kind of, you know, I guess it sort of fit with a lot of the themes of, of um, the record, which is just, you know, it's just teenage or whatever, late teenage kind of relationship kind of um you know, issues and that's what we're trying to capture in, in the, in the artwork there. Yeah. I think it does encapsulate that kind of feeling as well. I think it does complement it very well, which is obviously why it's, why it worked, why you picked it. Mm. Um, the, along with the vinyl, we are getting a tour next year in June. Um, mm. Firstly, I'm, I'm curious what it's like coming back. Cause I know you guys did a reunion tour in 2019 mm. um, and played played all the capital cities then what was 
that like getting the guys back together and kind of revisiting everything? I was, I mean, it was great because we're, you know, we're all pretty bloody old now. So it was, it was the first time we, I mean, it was, look, it was scary at first, um, the, sort of the concept of doing it because it had it, been 15 years since we'd, we played together. Um, I mean, I probably wouldn't have even attempted it had I not been playing in a sort of a little offshoot, well, not offshoot, but a, a band 2016. I think I kind of formed a little hobby project and demo from, from Modos was playing in that and we'd done like three or four gigs. Um, and that had, you know, that, that had kind of broken the seal, I suppose, of like, oh, I can actually hop on the stage again and, and, and play. So had I not done that, I don't think I would have ever have attempted motor race again. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it was, it was intimidating to do that and a bit scary, but you know, um, you know, we just, we, we just got together and started rehearsing and it was pretty clear that it was just fun being with the guys and everyone's grown up a little bit. I mean, everyone's has the same, um, personality, um, quirks to it to, to to a degree but they're kind of a little bit more manageable and watered down now <laughs> um so yeah we just had fun but kind of being together really and i think that's why we still still do it that's why we kind of want to do it more than you know, i mean it's gonna say it's it's the only thing but it's certainly like a big part of it is is it's it's a good good time for us to actually you know connect and and you know enjoy it um we, we, we keep it to a minimum i mean like we've you know, obviously, had it not been for the COVID situation, we probably would have um, done some gigs in, you know, 2020 and all that, but um, and in 2021. But we kind of want to keep it sparse because, you know, I don't think there's a there's, there's not like a, a limitless um, um, people like knocking down the doors, you know, on, on a daily basis to hear, hear motor race. So it, it kind of works well to space things out as long as we can. Um, keep physically able to play, <laughs> you know, I think we'll probably keep doing it for, for some, for some more, more time to come. Yeah. On the reunion tour that you previously did and the, the like level of attention that I've seen and interest in these shows, it does seem to be quite high. Would there, and I, I know it seems like a bit of a redundant question, but I feel like it has to be asked in terms of, um, We've obviously we're looking back on on music from the past. Is there any possibility that at any point down the track we would possibly get a, a fourth motor race record? I don't reckon we're going to get. I don't reckon we'll do a whole record. I I, I mean I, I ne- certainly never say never, but we are we are intending to go into the studio in December um, to do a couple of tracks. It may end up being an EP or a single or something, but we are. We're definitely intending to go in and, and and record, and we'll see what pops out. We've got like there's some stuff that there's some older ideas that we were working on um, that had sort of so there's some ideas that we'd picked up from some of the older stuff that we'd never kind of released or older demos and that kind of stuff. And we there's some good ideas that that we've been working on a little bit, um, and. We're going to go back in and we actually, we, I think we actually went in December. I'm going to say, yeah, December 2019 before, just before COVID we'd gone in and we'd done one track and everyone was really happy with it. We're all kind of like, this is, this is cool. It's, you know, 
push further with it and look to a release in 2020, but then it all just went pear. Um, whoa, did you hear that? That was a good one. That was literally yeah. right over my house. <laughs> um, yeah, that's a good one. It's distracted me. Um, but yeah, so we went in, <laughs> we went in 2020, uh, 2019 to do that and, and it was, it was looking good, but we just, yeah, got, got distracted by, um, COVID. So we gave up on that, but we are going to reconvene December just before Christmas and go in for a few days and try and put down a, a couple of tracks that we think are, are reasonably okay. And we'll see how we go. And hopefully we could put that out, um, before the tour, which would be in sort of, was it June, July? Yeah. So that would be the plan. That's very and exciting. Album is just a, yeah. Oh, thank you. But the album is just such a bigger, more intimidating concept. And I don't even know whether it really matters anymore. Like I think I'd rather be just popping off tracks, you know, when I feel like it or when we feel like it, um, than sort of going into a studio and, and look, honestly, no one, everyone's got day jobs. So, it's it's improbable to to spend four four or five weeks in a studio to do a whole album in one hit. We'd have to break it up into chunks. That's what I was maybe going to touch on was just with um, how re- releases work uh, these days since the the third record and the fact that you can kind of you know put out a track here, put out a track there, do it whenever. Is that something that's yeah a bit more appealing to? It's the, definitely more appealing do it yeah. that way for me like it's much more appealing um because you just get bogged the problem is with albums as well is you can get bogged down in um like you know sort of fight i mean from previous experience with with the records it's like i mean animal the last the, the last record we did i loved making it loved it to bits but it was seriously a six to eight month thing like i was chipping away i was in there for six to eight months in my studio um, I mean, I'm a little bit OCD, but, you know, it was definitely like, uh, yeah, it's very easy to get, for me, I find just getting fixated on on it and just not being able to, you know, finish it because you're just <laughs> you're so overwhelmed with the, <laughs> with the amount of work you've got to do that you just give, sort of give up to an extent and, yeah, which is partially true. There's, there's another, so this band I was mentioning previously, a band called Nighthawk, which... We've got like three songs, I think, on on Spotify or whatever. Like the whole album is basically done. Like it's there, but I, I, like all the songs are there, um, written and all the parts are written. But I've got like six songs that are like fifty percent finished in terms of recording, and I've just kind of it's just oh, I can't find the time to finish it. You know, and that's what I mean. Like it's hard when you've got that album. Um, it can be a bit of a monolith. It's a bit intimidating. So. Yeah, song by song, that's the way to do it, I reckon. Look, any, even if it's half a song, any new motorways will be happy to uh, to gladly accept. <laughs> awesome. Uh, uh, usually we would ask our guests what they're currently listening to. Is there mm. any um, any songs or any records that are currently getting a, a good thrashing? Well, geez, nothing, there's certainly nothing new that I'm really into at the moment. Um, which probably paints me as, I don't know, something. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, look, I mean, I just, oh, look, I've been, I've been, I listen to the stuff that I, would, I feel too embarrassed to mention. I mean, I, I, you know, just 
I'm going. Look, I'm definitely going down 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 the more the more of the rock rock route. Sometimes it, it sort of veers into '80s hair metal, but um, but no, I mean you know I just I've been hammering ACDC at the moment. I mean I'm not embarrassed about that at all. Um, but yeah, just 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 rock, just you know, just simple basic rock and roll is kind of where my head is at right now and what I'm enjoying, which you know it's probably not a surprise. But I haven't really. I mean, there's probably a good ten to fifteen years where I didn't really listen to rock. So. Um, yeah, like it's probably a good thing for people who like motor race. It's probably <laughs> it's probably good timing to be to be back into rock before we've had to go into the studio. So, look, there's nothing wrong with uh, '80s hair metal either. And if that happens <laughs> to uh, find its way onto that new EP, then I'm very curious to see the results. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think we're good enough as musicians to pull off to pull off '80s hair metal, but um, yeah, give it a crack. Oh. Pat, um, thank you very much for your time today. I do appreciate it. And um, congratulations again on the 20th anniversary of Five Star Laundry. Thanks very much. Thanks for having me. And that's our show. A massive thank you to Patrick Robertson for his time. Five Star Laundry, the 20th anniversary edition, is out now and we've left links in the show notes if you'd like to buy the vinyl or tickets to their tour. We also want to give a huge shout out to Fiona at On The Map PR for helping out with today's interview. You can find a link to our Spotify playlist in the show notes where you'll be able to listen to all of our guests' picks. If you like this show, please subscribe wherever you get your pods and stay up to date when new episodes are released. We release new shows each Thursday and Friday morning with guest playlists streaming on Spotify at the same time. You can follow the playlist profile on Spotify and you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook and TikTok. Until next week, cheers. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.